This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pots to attract and retain real A players. Join us where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Want to welcome you back to another episode. I'm your host, Ryan England. And today's guest actually started out as a plumber's wife. She got caught up in her husband's business and quickly realized that there are challenges that face entrepreneurs, especially in these service companies. Shortly after that, she became the president of a home service company and grew it from zero to $40 million in franchise sales with 47 locations in less than two years. So yes, catastrophic growth is possible. It's amazing. She's had a number of positions at this company and she is the best-selling author of four business books. So I'm really excited to jump in and learn some things about how we can improve our service businesses and some things that we can do that maybe we're not thinking are the easiest things to do, but they're right in front of us. So I want to welcome to today's show, Ellen Rohr. Ellen, thank you for being here. Hey, Ryan. Uh, my favorite place to be, right here. Let's I talk business. Yes. Yeah, I love it too. Thank you for having me. So tell me, biggest myth in the industry, from everything you've seen, what is the biggest myth out there? I think it's this. You do what you love and the money will follow. The money doesn't just follow. It's like the Van Gogh starving artist clause. No, do what you love. Absolutely. And if you got into the trade because you love the trade, then that is a big plus. But the money is a whole different ballgame. And, you know, you mentioned uh, as a plumber's wife, yeah, I have lived the good and the bad and the ugly in this industry. And the bad and the ugly had everything to do with the money. You know, I would tell my husband, the plumber, uh, hot Rod, his name's Hot Rod. I'd say, you know, uh, Hot Rod, we don't have enough money. And he would hear, I'm not good enough. I'm not working mm. hard enough. And we would fight. And if that sounds familiar, that's why I'm here today. Like I get it, that it can be really tough, but I had a really great mentor. And have you ever heard of Frank Blau, Ryan? I have not. Oh, okay. He's old school. He's like 120 years old right now. Okay. And he's a union contractor in Milwaukee was one of the first people to really get a handle on premium pricing. And he wrote an article in a magazine. I wrote him a letter and he called me up and he told me where my head was. And it was a dark place because I read the column in the magazine that talked about pricing. And then I wrote him a letter that said why all that wouldn't work for me. Mm. I reached out for help, but then no, like, shoot, not going to work. And, uh, you know, sometimes they say you need a brick. I needed a brick and he gave me one. And the first time I talked to him, I hung up on him. It was a rough start to our relationship. But then I called him back and I said, I do not know what I'm doing. Help me. And he taught me how, and this is going to sound sexy, how to read and use financial reports. What's mm-hmm. a balance sheet? What's a profit and loss? And even though I have a degree in business, I didn't know this stuff. And he really set me on the path to prosperity. So we're going to talk about money today, you bet. And then we're going to talk about how people on your team can make a lot of money. But if you want to make money, write this down. You've got to charge more than it costs. It has nothing to do with doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, and you said something that got me thinking too. There's that myth out there, do what you love and you'll make the money. The money will follow. But I think there's this other thing that if you just work harder, you will make more. We have this belief, especially in the American culture, that hard work equals wealth. And I have found that to not be true because as we grow our businesses, the hard work of a lot of people 
will help with the wealth. But the hard work of me, if I'm the owner and I just push harder and I work harder and I take on more jobs or I get back in the truck is not going to help solve any business problem ever. Bingo. Ding, ding, ding. I'm touching my <laughs> nose like in charades. So yeah, a couple things that, to play on there. One is that Working hard is definitely part of our American culture and doing the right thing. And that's what I love about the trades. I love tradespeople because of that work ethic and because of those values. The nicest, best people I know are tradespeople, 100%. But what will happen is if you're not charging enough per hour, you have to add more hours. So Mm -hmm. that means you're neglecting your health and your family and your relationships because now you're putting in a 20-hour day. That's where that extra money is going to come from just to pay the bills, just to stay afloat. And the other thing you mentioned is if you do it all yourself, you are robbing others from opportunity. Mm. You know, I roll my eyes at every trade show I go to because I hear things like, you know, kids today, nobody wants to work. And I'm thinking, do you let them or do you take all of the good stuff for yourself? Mm-hmm. Is it? And, and I will turn to the person who's next to him is some kid who actually works for him and is listening to their boss say, I can't find good people. And I'm thinking, well, what about this young man right next to you? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I can't find good people. And then I will turn to that fellow and I will say, is it ever good enough for him? And the kid will say, nope. Yeah. You nope. know, it's interesting. I hear that all the time. I can't find good people. I can't find good people. And I always ask like, where are you looking? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, How hard are you looking? Have you yeah. uncovered every rock? Yeah, yeah. Because I know even we are obsessed with this. And I gotta say, I think we're just scratching the surface of what we could do to find great people. So this is gonna sound counterintuitive if you if you're already a little strapped for money. Here's the deal. Just raise your prices, just double them, triple them. You could go through all the math like I did. Some people are slow learners like I am, and they need all the math and the budgets and the spreadsheets. Sure. Go ahead and yeah. do that. Or triple your prices today. Mm-hmm. weed out the customers just to, why not? I know people have done it. You know, smarts sometimes get in our way. Like the smartest guy is the one thinking of how it's going to fail seven months from now. Just like, you know, that just double, triple your prices today. Weed out the guys who aren't going to pay for it. Get rid of the PETA customers, right? Yep. And then hire a lot of people. Yeah. Hire a lot of people. Hire five or 10 or hire them all because a couple of things. One is, a lot of people don't interview well. You know, I, the trade people are interesting because they're sometimes not book smart. Yeah. Most of the time, not. Not good at sitting in a class. They're geniuses. They're the smartest people I know, but not in traditional schoolroom ways. Yeah. And sometimes even then the interview is not a great place for that person to show that they're awesome. Hire them. Give them a chance to show up clean, sober, on time, dressed right, use a checklist for two weeks, they'll weed themselves out, but you have a chance. And then, you know, if you hire 10 people, maybe two of them will stick around. Now, is that awful? No, they get to work wherever they want. These aren't slaves. They're people and they do have a chance to work in multiple places. Give them a shot and see how it goes. So I would say one of the things, if you're interested in growing your company, one of the mistakes I see people make is they hire one guy devote everything they've got to that one guy. Mm-hmm. And then six months later, someone else sees how nicely he's developing and pays him a couple more dollars an hour and you're back to ground zero. Yeah. This has to be constant, but this is what you help people do, Ryan. 
Yeah. Like, this is your gig right here. Thank you, know, you, you were talking about You were talking about how <laughs> these trades guys, they don't interview well. And I tell people, if anybody ever comes in and knocks it out of the park in the interview, it's a huge red flag. <laughs> I call those evil professional interviewers. They're only there for a little while and then they're going to go do it again because they're always looking for that next opportunity. And I tell people, you know, we That's put great. we put our emphasis on the wrong things in the interview. When I ask people all the time, I'm like, you can't find good people. So define good for me. And I always Ooh. hear things. I always hear things like they show up on time. They treat the customer well. They clean up the job site. They don't have a problem talking to customers. They follow my process. They do all these things. I'm like, nothing you mentioned has anything to do with the trade. Nobody is looking for someone that can install new faucets or unclog a toilet or do any of these things. That's not what they're looking for because they can teach that stuff. What they can't teach is someone to show up to the job site on time, to look mm -hmm. the customer in the eye and actually have a conversation with them and make them feel welcome. Not all creepy and, and sketchy. Like that's one of the big issues we run into, especially when we're looking for service techs, is we've got to find someone that can make the homeowner feel good Make the office manager feel good. Like I'm not creeped out by this guy being in my living room. Those things you can't teach. That's so important. I'm going to push back there. Some of it maybe we can teach. Like mm -hmm. mama should have told you that you give someone some notice if you're going to leave. Yeah. But mama didn't. So now that's on us. Yeah. Like, you know, what I take responsibility for is could we develop these people heart, mind, and soul. Like you can't get in their heads. I'm not going to try and motivate them. I never talk to people about their attitudes because it's none of my business, but there are skills, behavioral skills that one might not have learned from mama or daddy. And so if they're on our watch, even if they're only here for the interview, could we help that person learn something that might apply to their life yeah. in some powerful, positive way? So I think even there, but you're right. It, the technical skills I think there has to be an affinity for it. And that's really nice to identify a kid who works on their car. His or her car is a good indicator that they're going to like the actual technical They've got to have work. mechanical aptitude. Absolutely. Right. They have Pick to understand how that stuff works. Or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some things that you can test and you can just ask them questions. What lights them up? Technically, the jobs are pretty sexy and we do want them to have a whole bunch of that. And then those other skills could you know nice is definitely manners are great i mean if you yeah. can suss that out in the interview and mom or dad daddy did take some time or you know there was someone in their life who had that kind of influence on them it's awesome you know and it was, it's it, up to us it was interesting to that point uh, a few years back i met with the gentleman who was looking for mechanics auto mechanics and he had a he had a, a string of stores uh, across the state and he said you know the big point for me was when i realized that it was my responsibility that I almost had an obligation to finish raising these kids. Yeah. Because society, the schools, parents, whatever it was, let them down a little bit and didn't teach them how to go talk to your boss and didn't teach them some of these manners that you were talking yep. about. And he goes, yeah. he just, he changed his mind. And all of a sudden he would send text messages to remind kids to get out of bed on time. And that was all he had to do was just like, Hey, this is your morning wake up call. And they were great workers. But had he not yeah, done that... And this is what will get you fired. Clean, yeah. sober, on time, dressed right, use a checklist. That's that's just the Annie up. Yeah. That's just the... And, and, and we're going to play a small game, this one, but not for very long. You're going to lose your job. Or do this. 
And that's entry to the bigger game. We're going to teach you these, the, these skills and you get to use these cool tools and you'll be off in this big old truck all by yourself, making decisions, having fun, solving yeah. problems. Like that's the big game, making money. That's the big game. That's so cool. yeah, and, and I think you do. Like even when we read in class, it works best if you ask them to stand up because sometimes no one told them or taught them how to stand and deliver. Stand on both feet. Don't lean on the table. Don't have your elbow on the table. Mm -hmm. Right? Like just stand up, hold the book and read. And then you can even assess their literacy level. And couldn't we help with that too? Yeah. Right? You know, just all of those little pieces that, that help someone develop as a human being, boy, that pays off, you know? So yeah, there's no, the game, I love this because I love it so much when someone on our watch gets better. And you mentioned too about a family. Isn't it true that very often the family you create at your company is the best family they got? Yeah. That is another thing. Yeah. We talk about that. These, these people that come to work for you, they want to feel like they belong there. Yeah, And so many of them have, and that's one of the things like the family core value drives me nuts because you never know where someone's came from, like who their family mm -hmm. was. And so if they can feel like they belong here and they feel like you're investing in them and they feel like you care about them and they have friendships at work, that's another thing. They got to have friendships. I mean, especially your techs, they're behind a windshield all the time. Mm -hmm. And unless they've got someone that's shadowing them or something like that, they don't get opportunities to connect like the people in your office do. You have to yeah. create these opportunities for them because that's what's going to keep them there. It's not the dollars. It's not the extra dollar or two an hour. It's the, I get out of bed in the morning and I get to go to a place where I feel like I fit in and I enjoy the people there. That's going to keep people way longer than an extra dollar or two an hour. But yeah. I love the shift to that because you have some strong okay. opinions. And right now, people are freaking out about what's happening with wages <laughs> in this country right now. Or yes. the demand from the job seeker, right? Job seekers all of a sudden that were making $18 an hour now think they're worth 35, right? And it's like, how do you deal with this? And how do we attract people knowing that wages are going up and, and they're going to continue to go up? You've got some thoughts on that. I do. I, I was at a seminar not long ago and a, a speaker whom I really respect and admire was talking about his home and his car and his second home in Hawaii and blah, blah, blah. And then he was decrying the fact that these guys think they deserve minimum wage or, you know, $20 an hour to get started. And it, it made me, I was going to swear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my better behavior today, but it, it made me think like, will you try to live on $40,000 a year, $50,000 a year? It's not that much money. And these guys, the skills that they have, what if we just took the emotion out of it, but let's come from the place that maybe they deserve to make $100,000 a year. And how could we get them there? Yeah. What would be the path to get them to professional wages? Steve, who's our general manager and uh, one of my partners at Zoom Dream, I'm so proud of, of his career. He started as an apprentice, moved up the ranks. Now he's one of my partners in the Zoom Drain Holdco empire. And he's responsible for our corporate stores at Zoom Drain. And I'm in charge of the franchises. So he and I are compatriots. And he said the other day that the trades jobs of our time 
are the lawyer jobs of the 1980s and 1990s. Mm. Because now a lawyer who's going to sit at home is not quite as valuable as the guy who's or gal who's going to go in the world and drive a truck and show up at someone's house. The power is going to shift here. And I love it. So for one, I think it's about time that frontline people got a better deal. Yeah, And I think even if you have to look at, well, maybe I can't afford that. Then we go back to our original point, then raise your prices because the customer pays for everything. And, you know, when you talked about recruiting, well, how hard have you tried? Well, if you've never taken a sales course, take a sales course. If you've never learned about marketing, go to a marketing webinar or a seminar, you know, take some time, read some books and invest in your business because premium prices are where it's at. I don't know how to do any of this without being priced right. And that's really the impact that Frank Lau had on me. And that was really the first turning point in my career. And then it became like, okay, it's not just the owners making money. What if you could create a real, my, my friend, Al Levy, who's, have you had Al on your podcast? Is that how? Yes. Okay. I love Al. Okay. So yes, that's how we got to know each other. So Al is the one who coined this term. Let's create careers, not just jobs. Let's create opportunities to move up the ladder. Even as a technician, do you want to do it for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years? Or at some point, do you move to another position on the org chart? Or do you go and start your own business? What if we looked at Um, the people who come to work with us and give them the option that there could be a career here. Mm. And how would we map that out? So let's start with the assumption that people are great, that maybe you're the problem. (laughs) Quit quit complaining about them and maybe deal with what's inside your hula hoop, right? Because you could do better. And that's really the direction I want to take our conversation now. So how could you do better? What you said, I can't remember who I was talking to, but it was someone that worked as a like a CSR for a company. And, you know, the CSRs make $35,000, $40,000 a year, something like that. They were offered a job with one of the big banks, work from home, 60 grand a year to start, no experience. It's like, how do you tell somebody don't do that, right? Yeah. Now, to your point, if you've got a career path for them and they can see a path to 60000 and they like what they do, and they like where they work, and they enjoy the people, well, you're probably not going to lose them. But I think what you were talking about with the lawyer jobs, you know, we have these jobs now, these frontline workers that go out in, I mean, they go out to the battlefield every day, at some point in time, and it's going to take it's going to take our entire society starting to value that again. But I tell people, you know, the trades used to be cool. And I always point to that picture of the iron worker sitting on the beam, eating lunch in New York from the 30s. Mm-hmm. Like, kids looked at that like, I want to do that when I grow up. And now they're like, no, nope, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to work from home. I'm going to be an influencer, whatever it is. We've started to devalue the trades, not realizing that our entire world is based on what these men and women do every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I we're on, we're on digital right now and we're recording this because some programmer developed it, but I'm sitting in a home with a roof over my head and electricity powering this whole thing that doesn't happen without the trades. Like we have none of this without the people in the trades. And I think we're going to have to make that shift. Let me just say this, you know, it's really not helping. And this wasn't on our notes. So (laughs) $79 tune-ups, $69, any drain cleared. Would you stop 
Yeah. Just that is so not helping. And the brightest and the best in our industry do that. Yeah. It breaks my heart. Like just stop. If we stop doing that, because it's a bait and switch. It has yeah. to be. You can't do that. There has to be some upsell. Well, Everybody they send a sales guy in that knows a little right. bit. Just don't. He's there to sell. Just yeah. don't. And it also puts your C, your, your CSRs and your frontline people in a really awkward conversation with the customers. Now, our frontline people are the ones dealing with what's covered and not covered. Just say, yeah. we'll send an expert to your door. And let's, that's a, a tagline from Lowry, I think. I love that. You know, we'll send an expert to you towards that Zoom drain where the drain is to our experts. All our service coordinators are responsible for doing is let's get the professional to your house. Yeah. And then they can do the assessment, ask you some good questions, listen to what you need and want, come up with some solutions. And that'll happen before you agree to anything. Fair enough. Like that's at a doctor's office. You'll do that. Maybe there's the copay, but it's not why. Just don't even do that. Just show up. Yeah. Right. And let's have, let's have the professional decide, help you make a good decision based on your situation and your needs and wants you know, and, and maybe even your budget. And to that marketing tactic of the $79 service call or whatever, I think the other thing that's really hurting the industry and continues to is there is this predisposition for contractors to make fun of other contractors. Oh. So we have a plumbing company here in town and their tagline is the smell good plumber. What are they doing? They're implying that plumbers don't smell good. So they're telling people, yeah, plumbers are gross and they're smelly and yucky, but ours take a bath. <laughs> and what it does is it hurts the whole industry. And there's another contractor out here that's like, don't hey, be a I was around. I'm so old. I was around when that was developed and it's been very effective. And, but I'm again, sure it has. Again, like, is that where we want to go? It's interesting. Okay. Yeah, and I get they're very effective, but what happens but, is You've got a 15-year-old going to high school on career day. And he's like, mom, dad, I want to be a plumber. And they're like, but plumbers stink. I don't want a stinky kid. Uh-huh. And they stink because that guy over there tells me he's the only company in town that has smelled good plumbers. And so we've got this whole mm-hmm. generation and these parents saying, my kid is not going into the trades because it's not sexy. It's not cool. They're gross. It's stinky. Like, go get a real job. And, you know, that's just counter to, to what we're doing here. I mean, I, yeah, another jobs. thing, uh, I think I got this from uh, Mark Victor Hansen. You can raise your prices as often as you raise your self-esteem. Why is an actor worth $20 million for yeah. three months worth? Well, they believe that they're worth that. And the people around them tell them that. And to your point, if someone's going to go into the trades, very often by the time they get to your shop, a lot of people are disappointed in them. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? And yeah. so a big part of what we have to do is, however you got here, let me tell you the professional path that you could take. Yeah. And here's what it'll take. When you're upset, let me know. Don't just leave your keys on the desk. That's not going to help you now or ever, right? Let me know. And if you find a better offer, two weeks notice is really polite. Show up clean, sober, on time, dress right, and use a checklist. Like these are the things that we can teach them. That's your entree into this professional path where you're going to leave those naysayers in the dust. And maybe it was your mom and maybe it was your best friend, right? There are some good people in your life who have not spoken highly of the trades. Now some are right. And there is a movement and I support every bit of it. It will take a lot of voices. Another thing, don't post bad work. I remember showing something to my husband on Instagram. And I said, is this bad? Like I'm looking at it. People are making fun of this. Why is this bad? And he said, that looks like something I did when I was first getting started. 
Mm. You know, just don't. Like just yeah. there's some behaviors, just let's celebrate the traits. Let's show off what is happening that's good. Let's show off the guys who go above and beyond and help a brother out. And, you know, that makes all the difference. And then let's pay them what they're worth. Can I talk to you about some mistakes we make as far as Absolutely. how we pay people? Yeah. All right. So let's first talk about what can happen. Again, none of this is about your guys. Your guys are not the problem. My, my partner once said to me, as he started to really get his arms around what makes a difference in his success, he said, I no longer blame my employees for my failures. Mm. Good to know. Good to note, right? It's not them. It's always you. You can't control your wife or your kid or your mom or your team members. You can control somebody else. Wayne Dyer says, until you change, nothing will change for you. And once you change, everything and everyone changes. Mm. Once you change. So let's look at what you can do. First off, assess the mess. What have you already done? Maybe somebody, this is another Al Levy, knock on the door, five o'clock. He watched someone just leave his keys on the desk. So he knows he's got you over a barrel, right? So your team member comes in and says, hey, I bought this boat. We're having another baby, whatever it is. And now wants a raise. And you're like, oh man, I can't afford to lose another guy. Mm. And you say, okay, I'm going to give you the raise, but don't tell anybody. Mm. Okay. So what happens? Well, I've been an employee. I've been an employee. 50 times. I was a troublemaking fence testing kid and I've never forgotten these lessons. Here's what happens. Everybody knows what everybody else makes. Why? Because they ask. Mm -hmm. So this kid's going to leave your office and someone's going to say, what was that about? Nothing. Did you ask for a raise? Now the employee who's been sworn to secrecy has a very tough moment. He either tells or he lies. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so like, what if we didn't do that? So what could we do instead? And oh, let me just give this huge caveat right here. Before you change the way the you pay, you better be thoughtful, careful, strategic, because as soon as you change, somebody's not going to like it. And if you do this too fast, you could lose all your guys. How do I know? Because it's happened to me and it's happened to people I've consulted on this topic. So just saying. Also, you're going to need a lawyer and a human resources person. Put on your big girl pants and figure that out. Yeah. But here's what you're after. You're after a transparent ladder of opportunity. You know, yeah. I'm not a union, we, a union, non-union. It isn't the reason why people are successful or not. But why did unions come into play? Because workers were being taken advantage of. And what did unions do? At least this. They created a transparent ladder of opportunity. Yeah. Like teachers in the teachers union have, right? So we know what it takes to get to the next level. So what if at your shop here, you know, hello, Mr. First day on the job. Welcome aboard. Here's the org chart. Your position is the bottom rung apprentice. And you'll notice we have text level one, text level two, senior techs. And then we have the field supervisor. Then there's the service manager. Now, if I were new to the company, Ryan, what might I ask? Day one, looking at that org chart with me at the bottom, what might I ask the person who's showing me all this? Yeah, how fast can I climb this? Yeah, <laughs> what do I do now? How do I get yeah. that? How much does that pay? Yeah. How do I move up the ladder? And what if you had it mapped out? And what if it didn't have anything to do with their attitude? What if it was things like you have innate certification, you go through our, you know, Al Lead is all about these manuals. It had a big influence on me and Zoom Drain 
we have manuals that take you from one level to the next level. And you write them or you buy them and you, you move up the ladder and you check off the boxes. In fact, you're in charge of your career. You're the one, if you're missing this task, who has to figure out how to get the check ride on that task. And then you go up the ladder. Certainly your field supervisor is going to pay attention to you and you're going to meet with them once a week. That's the person who's going to help you. But boom, boom, boom. Wouldn't that be delicious? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. And wouldn't it be cool if everybody knew what everybody else makes? Because they already do. Yeah. And okay, now let's go. Suppose you've made a mess. Suppose you've got Susie, who's a woman and kind of introverted, doesn't knock on your door at all, doesn't seem to be unhappy. But then you've got Barry and Barry's really noisy. And he's always asking for it, always telling you how much he could get somewhere else. They're both great. But as it turns out, Barry now pays three, gets paid three more dollars an hour than Susie because she's never asked for it. Yeah. And it's supposed to be a secret. So if you've already got those messes, here's what I suggest is you're going to talk to everyone individually. Again, I'm giving you just the teaser on this. This You want to be very strategic. There's a big, big process to making this work so you don't hurt yourself. Take six months to a year to map this out and communication and transparency and have a couple of key people in on it with you and try it out with a couple of guys, figure out the holes in the system and roll it out. This can be done and you can move. And I'm just, I'm just trying to uh, get you to the ideal scene. So Mm -hmm. then you can see where some of the to do's might be. I don't believe you're going to move anybody down and keep them. So Mm -hmm. Susie moves up. Yeah. And the OGs, the people who've been with you for a while, you move them up to where it's fair. Maybe they're tech level two. And you can say the new kids are going to have it harder and different from you because we're tightening up. We're raising our standards. You're going to be a level two, but the new kids are going to have to go from apprentice to level one to level two. Mm -hmm. So you're going to help me, please because they can fix everything for you if you let someone else do it. You can help me map out what would be the behavioral benchmarks between apprentice to level one. And then those benchmarks from level one to level two. You tell me, maybe it's a CDL license is part of it. Maybe it's another manufacturer's class and you just patchwork it together. But you know who can help you do it is the people you've already got on your team. Yeah. Ah! Yeah, let I mean, me tell let people, me take a breath here, Ryan. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> people ask me all the time, like my job ads aren't working. How, how do I get better job ads? I'm not a creative writer. I'm like, you know what? Bring your team in, buy lunch, and say, hey, tell me what it's really like to work here. <laughs> Write down what they say, and it's so good. All of a sudden, you've got this new marketing piece because you brought your team in. They're like, my team's not going to help. I promise you, your team will help because they're overworked, they're exhausted. They're tired of dealing with customer inquiries or customer satisfaction issues because you're short-staffed. They know the issues are here. They want to help you find people so that it's not all on them. There's just so much opportunity to get your team involved. Yes, yes, yes. And that makes the case for the ride-along. So go on a ride-along, not to bust them, not to go through an 80-point checklist that they're just like, this is how I do a ride-along. First off, most of the time, they don't report to me. So it's a different situation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go visit a franchisee. I'm going to go visit the company stores. I honor the org charts, not me. And I will say in the ride along, okay, here's the deal. I got this 80 point checklist with your blessing. If I notice something you do on this call 
that you could do different and it might be helpful to you. Are you interested in that? Yeah, sure. They think, why else are you here? What are you doing? Okay, I'll do that. I'll give you one thing. In the meantime, I got some questions for you while we have some time together. Can we just visit? I'm going to ask him about his hopes and dreams, what he wants to have happen, what he likes about his job, what he doesn't. And I'm going to ask things like, what do I do? What do I do at at the, you know, executive level that makes no sense to you guys? Mm-hmm. What have we asked you to do that you wish we hadn't? What's one rock that's in your way? Because what I can do is I can move rocks. That's yeah. what I do. Like I can get stuff out of the way. If you would let me know what it is, we could probably get some things happening here. That's a fun conversation. And everything they tell me was always my great idea from the ivory tower. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wasn't in the field and I came up with some smart idea and you know, the team will fix everything if you involve them, if you give them some. Would you be on the committee? I hate the uniforms. Everybody hates the uniform. Would you be on the committee to change the uniforms? You know, what one of our, our ride-alongs, Chris DeMarco, I love him forever. And this is one of the things he said, why do we all have to match? Mm. We're never together. <laughs> and the big, the big, except for in that dumb picture where we're holding our hands in front of us, you know, that we take once a year with all the trucks and all. He says, why do we have to match? Because they don't see us all together, but the big guys are hot. The skinny guys are cold. The tall guy's shirt doesn't... Couldn't we not? Like Boy Scout catalog. You could just... Mm-hmm. song this in the catalog. And we changed it. What a great idea. We've never matched since. Yeah. So, you know, things like that. Okay, getting back to they'll help you. Now, specifically on the, on the way to pay people, if you make it transparent, let me let me just lay this on you too. I wish we had women as tradespeople, uh, lots more. We have some, thank goodness. I don't think I've even started to turn over the rocks that we need to, to make this so. Like these yeah. underserved communities, why aren't they working for me? Very humbling. But one of the reasons women get paid less than men has been because it's a big secret. Mm-hmm. Don't tell anybody and they don't know. So when you move in the direction of transparency, what your vow is, is that I'm going to make it fair or at least equally unfair to everybody. Life isn't fair, but I'm going to do my best to level the playing field. And if I make it transparent and behavioral as you move up the ladder, then all the better. You know what else I like that a lot of people don't like that you might want to hear? What's that? What's that? (laughs) Last one. What's that? I like paying people hourly. Yeah. Okay. Salary is often abused to avoid overtime. Yep. You know, I learned that when I was in the restaurant. Oh, we'll make you a manager. That's great. Now you're working 80 hours a week. So watch salary. And the other thing is the person at home understands hourly and just pay them straight across the board for everything, maybe even including training. Mm. Just it's and not less for different tasks. What's that voice at home going to say about you the way you pay? Yeah. Hourly is really straightforward. Now you can do bonus and commission, but here's the gold standard. Can your team member go home and tell whoever's waiting for them at home how they get paid? And can they both expect the number that's going to be on their paycheck? And if not, you're losing trust. Yeah, no, I can't tell you how many times I've seen it. People are like, I don't even know how to figure out how much I make. I just get a paycheck and I trust them. And I'm like, that would drive me insane. That's kind of the standard, especially when you start bonusing and commissioning uh, your service tax on that kind of stuff. And then they just have to trust it. And the comp plans are so complex. And usually I see that happen because something came up, someone made too much. So we're going to put this one tweak in it and now it affects everybody. And they just keep adding on these layers of tweaks, but. And the poor bookkeeper. 
Oh. See, that's the thing. Oh my gosh, what we do now, payroll takes a day and a half. And we do it weekly out. because why not? Right? <laughs> so once you start, that's a tough one to change. Yeah, I that's get it. That's a tough one to change. And we just did a class on uh, financial literacy. Again, like let's develop the whole person here, right? Yeah, Personal love it. financial literacy, there's a lot of debt. And I realized a lot of guys may not want to come to a class and admit it's such a vulnerable thing to do. Mm-hmm. So what we realized, and we're working with the, the excellent trainer that we used, Kelly Schultz. You know Kelly? I don't. Kelly would be a good guest. He's a service tech, had a rough life, made good, and has a focus on a financial, personal financial literacy path. And he helps service techs figure out their money, honey. It's really good. That's but then cool. I realized that there's this need for doing it in a private way. You and your partner can watch the videos and go through the stuff because it's so vulnerable. But, you know, to help them make a lot of money and then keep it, invest it, you know, what are they going to do in 20 years when their back hurts and their knees hurt? You know, what are their other choices here as they move throughout this career? I think that's great, especially when you got the guy that's coming to you saying, hey, I just bought a new boat. I need a raise. It's like, hold on. If we taught them financial literacy, then maybe they would understand that you should spend less than you make and and you should budget for these things. And then all of a sudden they're not putting in those binds mm-hmm. because as an employer myself, like I, I feel for them. It's yeah. like, oh, it's not their fault that they didn't quite understand the dollars and cents of how this works. And so I want to support them. I want to take care of them. They're a valuable team member to me. I maybe even invested personally with the, them as developing a friendship or whatnot. And it's yeah. really hard when they get in those situations. So I think that's great that, personal financial literacy. So we're just getting started on that. But I think that could be such a a big part of it. But and I'm not even being judgy. I learned way too late. My kid is so much smarter than me. Mm. You know, it took me a hot minute to figure this stuff out. So that's why I'm old now. I just want to help you do it faster. Well, let's talk about that, Alan, because you got some free stuff for our listeners. Oh, yeah. Oh, yay. Okay. You got some stuff to give away. And you're going to you're going to tell them how to get it but also we're going to have this in the show notes. So if you are behind the windshield right now when you get back to the office or or you get a chance to look this up, go to our website and you can definitely get access to these free things. So Ellen, tell us what those are. Right on my the splash page of my website ellenroar.com, you can download a copy of a book I wrote called Where Did the Money Go? Mm. And I wrote this book because when I, you know, was early in early days as the plumber's wife I wish someone had written it for me. It's skinny. It has pictures. It uses examples from QuickBooks. And it shows you what's a balance sheet, what's a profit and loss. It's got a glossary. It just tries to make sense of these things that you may feel stupid for not knowing. You're not stupid. Nobody ever taught you. It's just the basics of business accounting. If that Mm. doesn't sound sexy, I get it. But why are you in business (laughs) to make money? To make money. So it's your job as the owner to know this stuff. And it's the bare minimum. And I'm very, very proud of that book. So download that book, share it with your team members, share it with anybody who's thinking of starting their own business. Uh, you know, push that one along. I love yeah, giving yeah. that book away. So you've got and you then, got ellenroar.com, but you've also yeah. got the franchise. And yeah. I'm sure you're still continuing to grow that. Is that right? Yeah. And so what is a franchise? Like, you know, a franchise, if I were to start a business, I would start a franchise. If I was gonna go into, you know, health care or, you know, athletics or a food business, I'd use a franchise because franchises can save you a lot of time. I just love the model. 
So they're going to have a brand, they're going to have systems, they're going to have support, training. The home office is going to do a lot of stuff that you might not want to do, like answer your phone as you're just getting started. So franchises can be worth looking into. You need to play well with others. If you're fiercely independent and you don't like people, <laughs> franchise. Well, entrepreneurship might not be for you either. <laughs> well, you know, no judgment. My husband is a lone wolf, a man band who charges a lot of money and yeah. lives their best life. God bless you. If that's your dream, follow your dream. If you're thinking, I want to grow fast, a franchise might be worth looking into. So look into mine, zoomdreamfranchise.com. That's awesome. Hey, Ellen, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I can't believe that we're done already. Ah, uh, I know. It- there was so much stuff. I was like, that's an episode. That's an episode. That's Let's an episode. do it again. I'm at your service. I love what you're doing. Thank you. You are really pinpointing an area that needs your expertise and love and attention. And I am grateful to you for it. Hey, Ellen, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you for being on the show. And for those of you listening, make sure to check out the show notes, but go to ellenroar.com and you can get all those freebies. And I think she's even got some more too, besides the one she just mentioned. So, oh yeah, baby. Ellen, thanks help. again. Thanks. Love, love, love. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by BlueCollarCulture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to BlueCollarCulture.com.